because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone. Welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on ShantiGreen.com in the beautiful Silver Lake Studios. Welcome to the show. It's presented by, of course, 247Comedy.com. Log on to 247Comedy.com. You can get the podcast. You can get their iPhone app, which has uh, been killing it. It's basically a 24-7 stand-up channel, so make sure you guys check that out. And, of course, Amazon. Great people at Amazon, guys. It's a pretty simple setup. All you do is click the Amazon link. You buy whatever you normally buy at Amazon. It's it's not a huge trouble at all. You can actually bookmark the link. So anytime you're doing a little shopping, maybe you got the green room on, doing some holiday shopping, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, doing your holiday shopping, <laughs> killing two birds with one stone, you're supporting small businesses. And it doesn't cost you any more money. No, so and it just uh, helps us wet our beak over here at the podcast. And December has been a great month. For us over here at, uh, on uh, the Amazon Associates program, and oh, I nice. uh, appreciate your continued support of the Green Room. And, uh, my left hand man, I'd like to welcome him on the program, Logan Lysico. Logan, what's shaking, man? Happy Chanukah, John. Is it uh, is it officially Hanukkah? I don't know. Actually, I was going to look that up, and I okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be though. It's the eighth, it's you know. it's coming up, right? If if it didn't start, although I feel like I'm usually aware of it. I usually see something on Facebook. I see some. Some stuff going back and forth. This is fun. Um, I remember me and my buddy when we uh, we were big Adam Sandler fans, and we went to the CD store. And this is too, you know, we we grew up, we went to Catholic school together, so we didn't have a lot of Jewish friends at the time. But I knew the proper pronunciation. But my buddy went up and goes, "Hey, do you have uh, Adam Sandler CD? You know, the one with that Chuck and Nuck song on it." <laughs> so uh, that was that was a. Uh, I actually said Chanaka at the opening of the show. I was trying to do a joke. Chanaka, Hanukkah. I feel like they do a couple different pronunciations. Hanukkah. All right, Logan, well, I'd like to welcome on our guest. Not only is he a talented stand-up comedian, he's also the lead singer of a emerging and very popular, awesome fantasy rock band, Ogre Mage. I'd like to welcome on Zach Ames. Zach, what's happening, man? Uh, just hanging out in Silver Lake, enjoying the winter weather. Yes. No, it really feels like... Uh, it sounds asinine, but I took the dog out yesterday, and I was walking around the pool, and I was freezing, and I'm like, oh, man, summer's finally over. And then, Oh, yeah, well, it's December 8th. Summer should be over. <laughs> right, but then today it was warm again. So. Yeah. Right. You got a little bit more of the warmth back hanging around. Huh, Zach, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Now, um, let's get into it. This is your first time on the show. You're originally <laughs> from... Uh, uh, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Home, home of the Chattanooga oh. Choo Choo. Yeah. You might have heard of it. It's pretty famous. <laughs> so, now, I'm from Texas, and a lot of people call me out for not having an accent. You don't seem to have an accent. Uh, yeah, well, accent. I, I, I'm, I was born in Cincinnati, so that's like where my family's from, but I grew up in Chattanooga, so that's, now, when'd you, that, when'd that's you what I rep. When did you move to four, Chattanooga? Two, uh, we moved there when I was like five or four oh, okay. or something. Yeah, so the so, majority of yeah, the time was spent. Exactly. Like, I remember some sledding and shit. Up in, uh, I'm allowed to swear, right? Yeah. Okay, good. No, actually, we're kicked off the internet. <laughs> oh, no. 
the king of the internet says yeah. no swearing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, uh, 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 yeah, I remember some sledding. Like we used to have like a four wheeler that we would like sit on one of those round sleds and like ride. But yeah, most yeah, I pretty much grew up in Chattanooga. That is that is something that people easily overlook. Not only do you get in the winter weather, you get the winter sports, the traditional winter sports, you know, the skiing, snowboarding, that kind of thing. But also, if you live in a rural part of of America where it's cold and stuff like that, you end up inventing your own kind of snow sports. Like I remember our buddy in high school had a Ford Expedition that was really good in the snow. So on snow days, he would just drive around and we would tie a long rope and just like you know, just drag a sleigh around through the streets, and he would. The goal would be to whip people off the off the sled. Um, in hindsight, it was pretty dangerous, but at the time, it was a thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, the uh, my neighbor, like where I grew up in Chattanooga, it didn't really snow very much. There wasn't like a lot of precipitation uh, because we, it was like kind of like a valley surrounded by mountains. Yeah. So like, uh, but they, there was like the blizzard of '92. I don't know if that hit in. Did that blizzard of '92 hit up in? Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah, there yeah. was a couple big northeast uh, storms. Yeah, well, that was that was the big one. But see, my where my family lived, we lived in this neighborhood that was up this hill that was like a forty five degree angle, and that was the only way to get into the neighborhood. Oh, really? So because it didn't snow, there was like no sand or salt trucks or anything. So like if it like if for real snow and every there's like a hundred people trapped in this neighborhood <laughs> every time. That is that that was uh, you know I do I I love the uh, w- the weather out here in Los Angeles, but it is nice to. Just kind of totally decompress and go. Hey, it snowed outside. We're not going anywhere. Just gonna hear, you know, hang out and I don't know, play Scrabble, drink hot chocolate, have yeah. a good old time. This past Christmas, I went home and it did snow, which was pretty awesome. But because we, uh, me and my brother and sister, made like a big snowman with like a big frowny face, <laughs> and then and, and like in my parents' uh, house is like right at the beginning of the neighborhood. So then next to the snowman, we put a big sign that said "Number One Snowman." neighborhood association (laughs) so then all these people walking by and driving by like kept stopping to look at it to be like what the like what the fuck is this yeah it's not the number one snowman (laughs) i know the number it's like number one dad it's kind of you can throw it on any snowman people don't mind so now describe to me how was uh, how was life in uh, chattanooga growing up i know people probably have a stereotype of tennessee uh, hey a bunch of hillbillies hanging out how much of that was true Uh, a lot of it was true i mean i didn't (laughs) know people in high school that liked huff tough gas right like because they thought that was pretty cool now how does i don't know do you ever get peer pressured into huffing gas how does the no. conversation well i mean <laughs> no. i guess so never bad. i'm not accusing you of huffing gas i mean how does did you ever hear that conversation like how would people describe huffing gas in a cool way to try to entice people or, um mostly like hey uh we don't have any money and we want to get fucked up on something, so let's huff some gas. <laughs> it only takes uh, seeing one person huff gas to make you want to never huff gas. Yeah. It's like, all right, I huff the gas, and then you pass out, and then you throw up for like an hour. Right. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not very, yeah, it's not very glamorous. You don't hear of any rock and roll stars <laughs> that's passing new, out on that's stage. That's what the new uh, Wheezy song's about. Yeah. Well, I mean, cough syrup, I guess, is, I mean, at least that's a little bit more mainstream. You can call it scissor. I think the I think the thing the is of right exactly <laughs> cough syrup they don't have gasoline in the hood they have to they have to sip on that cough syrup so but would you describe you don't strike me as a guy who's a hillbilly type right no no I mean the the school I went to 
was kind of like Chattanooga is a town of like if you include the the, the suburbs, it's like three hundred thousand people. So it's not like tiny. It's sure. it's a lot bigger than what people like people I know. Like I'll meet people from like somewhere in the Midwest, and they'll like give me shit about being from Tennessee, and they'll be like, "Yeah, we had ten thousand people in our town." It's like, no, you were hill, you were more of a hillbilly than I am, right? Um, but yeah, the school was um, not great. Uh, it was right next to a mega church. Okay. So, so uh, like a Baptist mega church. So the majority of the kids at my school all went to the same church. So they could rally. So like it was, I didn't go to like, I went to a public school, but it was really easy for them to like rally parents. So we were always like getting books taken away. Oh, really? And like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. Do you remember anything? What was kind of the flashpoint there where you realized, oh my God, they're, they're super religious. They're having an influence. What kind uh, of, what that, kind of stuff happened? Um, there was the first thing I remember, I can't even remember the name of the book, but it was about this Native American kid who gets like kidnapped by white people and then gets kind of forced into like white society. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can't remember the name of the book, but there's a passage in the book where it, where it keeps saying "goddamn" over and over. Oh, and the kid and the basically the kid's saying, "I don't understand why these white people keep saying goddamn because <laughs> why do they want to damn their own god or something like that?" Right. And, and but then like yeah, so that we got that like snatched <laughs> that away. That is so crazy. That, yeah, that was like fifth grade, I think. That is I didn't hilarious. Know which direction you were going to go with that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be way more hardcore. It is. I mean, obviously, no, it was kind of saying you shouldn't say "goddamn," but it still is like nah, "gd." It's still, it was right. still it was still mentioned in the passage. Maybe yeah. there was some racist undertone or something. That's what I that's what I thought you were going to say. No, no, no. If anything, the they'd Indian probably be being the good guy, or, and the white people. Are <laughs> yeah, the white people are the bad people for sure. In the book. yeah, that's that's generally how history has shown us, and yeah. with uh, and with with reason. Yeah, with it's it's justified, especially with the Indians in their case. Um, yeah, the other ridiculous thing, um, like uh, the evolution thing. So when I took biology, our principal decided, I assume because of the Bayside,ers decided they had to teach creationism too. So then my biology teacher was like, uh, I can't teach evolution without teaching creationism, so I'm not teaching either. And, I, <laughs> and she was just like, I highly encourage you to read the chapter on evolution because it's the basis of all science. <laughs> like, it's the basis of all life. So, uh, and so then, but what was fucked up though is my, by the time my senior year rolled around, they got rid of the creationism because it was ridiculous. And they, so they, I took an ecology class, but then our teacher in ecology was this really religious person. So they forced her to teach evolution to us. So the way she taught it to us was we watched, this is a senior level class. We watched X-Men, Waterworld, and Monsters, Inc. What? And then for our project for evolution, we had to draw a monster and write a paragraph as to why it evolved that way. (laughs) Wait, so X-Men was how they taught evolution? Uh, yeah, we watched X-Men, Waterworld, and Monsters. I, I don't know why we watched Monsters, Inc. Because that has yeah, nothing X-Men, to do with evolution. In Waterworld, he like grows the gills oh, right. behind his ears. So they were implying that only monsters evolve and that would be impossible for humans to evolve? I don't know. That is hilarious when people, when you talk about evolution versus creationism. Where people get personally offended when you, when you start breaking it down. Like, okay, well, we originally... I'm not a monkey. Yeah, well, uh, listen, no, I'm not saying you're a monkey. I'm not no monkey. I, I came from... I, I know my grandparents. Well, why are there still monkeys? No, the point is something happened biologically that uh, caused a super group of intelligent primates to kind of branch off from the traditional evolution. 
that's kind of how we trace our genetics back. I mean, there is well, a lot by of... By the way, when people say, like, well, if we evolved from monkeys, how come there's still monkeys? That's got to be, like, the dumbest... <laughs> right. Dogs <laughs> evolved from wolves. They're still wolves. One of my favorite things... Evol- yeah, I mean, One of my favorite all-time things just about evolution in general or something that, like, scientists have learned from studying evolution is that uh, so humans have different lice for their head and their pubic hair. Right. But the pubic hair lice is the same lice that gorillas have, which means that at some point our ancestors were probably fucking gorillas. Yes. Right. Well, that's that's how they yeah, that's where uh, AIDS came from. <laughs> and here's the thing, you don't you can teach evolution and still have a belief in God in my mind. You can say, "Hey, God, maybe God started this whole process of life." I mean, you can follow evolution far back, but eventually something had to start some sort of chain reaction and you can I, believe that's a higher power still. I, I I like I'm not a religious person, but I also do not understand religious people that hate science because yeah. there's people that hate science it's like do you not understand that this is just a better way to understand your own beliefs yes like shouldn't you want to know everything about science so you can understand yeah I mean I, I understand yeah. being religious yeah. and okay hey there's a higher power that, that controls everything and it, yeah I mean who am I to say that's not or that is it's weird when people say stuff like, oh, 5,000 years ago is definitely when time started and humans existed. When we have stuff laying around, paleontologists, I mean, human skulls, we have obvious evidence that that wasn't the case. That's when it gets kind of weird to me. Yeah, yeah. And just like all the picking and choosing from like the Bible and stuff, that always, exactly. that always cracks me up because – like uh, as far as like believing that that's almost like saying all right, all right well i'll give you that there probably weren't any dinosaurs and people at the same time but i'm still going to believe that everything else in the flintstones was accurate <laughs> yes like you can't yeah. right okay that giant pelican he existed and he had a job it wasn't as a cement mixer he was actually a pipe fitter that's the <laughs> you're really splitting hairs there at that yeah. point okay so now you grew up there you're you're in kind of a urban tennessee area it's uh, yeah well, i lived in religious. the suburbs oh okay so yeah. suburbs I, live, I actually grew up in harrison tennessee which is like 10 minutes from downtown okay. so you typical- I, lived, I lived right by uh like the harrison bay and the the water and stuff. Okay, oh, sounds checking out the yeah. uh, Harrison Bay. Now, when did you when did you start getting interested in comedy, or eventually you, you also started a rock band? When did when did your artistic angles first start forming? Um, as far as comedy, probably my first comedy obsession with like a lot of people in Los Angeles was Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, okay. I used to you know like you know I was like in middle school. I used to tape all the episodes and just like watch them over and over and like when they would have like a late night marathon, have all my friends from school over yeah. for like a sleepover and you know. Um, as far as music goes, uh, I, I would say probably it's actually kind of a weird story. Uh, there's, I, there actually is like kind of a singular event. Uh, I've always sung, like I've always, uh, like I, I was in marching band, like I played saxophone right. and I did a lot of singing. Like I was in the Chattanooga boys choir. Yes. Uh, which is, which is like, <laughs> it this, is funny just looking at you now and picturing you in a boys choir cause you're. You got a, a you know you're a gregarious guy. You got a big thick beard. I don't picture you at a boys choir. Yeah, at all. just saying like stuff like up up in the air, <laughs> my beautiful balloon. <laughs> like yeah, I totally. Um, it was a good choir. Like we toured England and stuff. Like it was it was a it was it was a great choir. But um, I I had always kind of wanted to play rock music, but I never really thought that that was something that I could really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was a big Tenacious D fan. Okay. And then the actual, the actual, there's actually like, because I, I started playing guitar like a week after this happened. Um, me and my friends went to go see Tenacious D at this big festival called Bigger Day Out. In yeah, Atlanta. Tenacious D is Jack Black's kind of comedy band. Yeah, so 
and it was like before the album came out, so nobody really knew who the fuck they were. And the, and the, it was like a two stage festival with like Godsmack headlining one festival and, or one stage and 311 headlining the other f- stage. Yeah. So it didn't make any sense for them to be like mixed in all of these just like shitty like rap rock bands. <laughs> um, so uh, so me and my so me and my nerd friends we were all wearing Tenacious D shirts. You know, because we're just huge dorks. Uh, so then we're like walking around the festival, and we see Kyle Gass walking around, who's the guitarist from the band. Yes. So we went up and talked to him, and like we're just nerding out like super hard. And he was like super cool, and like you know, like really nice to us, and like talking to us and stuff. And then we tried to get a signature from him, and then he was, and then like we didn't have a pen, and then we kept asking around the vendors and stuff, and none of them would <laughs> let us use a pen. <laughs> that that so, is a weird move. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm meeting my uh, rock idol. Can I borrow a pen? No, sorry. If you're not going to buy any merch, you're not getting a pen. Yeah. People exactly. can just be such cruel assholes for no reason. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So so then um, so then he he throws his hands up and starts walking away and goes thousands of dollars lost on eBay. <laughs> that is a great that's a great line. Yeah. So so but then he turns around and goes he goes well hey we're doing this um, interview later for radio like come over to the radio tent and I'll make sure I sign your stuff. So then he came out and did the interview and stuff and then it was really cool he like brought a marker and like signed our stuff. And then, like, uh, and then he was signing other people's stuff, and then uh, Jack Black finished and just kind of started to head to the back. So then Kyle went and grabbed him and pointed at us, and then he came over and just signed our stuff and then went in the back. Wow. So it was, so like, he, really cool. Yeah. He still blew off some people, but not you guys. Yeah, because we were, like, the real fans. <laughs> yeah, you guys were the hardcore. You were Tenacious D fans from the beginning. Yeah, so then we, so then as, he, as they were, like, walking to the back, we yelled after them, uh, can we come backstage and party? And then they, and then they said uh, that we weren't cool enough. <laughs> There is, which was true because we were like fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, and you don't want it. You don't want that liability as Jack Black. You're, yeah, you're, you're getting like, some kid high in your trailer at sixteen. You don't need that kind of. Well, and uh, also they were like one of the because no one knew it was before their album came out, so nobody really knew who they were. So if they, I'm sure it's not like they, they were going to talk to the bouncer and be like, "No, let these kids without the without any backstage passes. Yeah, just let them wander around. Let yeah. them hang out. They're yeah. cool. Don't They're worry. Cool. They're cool. They just got their driver's license. <laughs> so that inspired you to start your own rock band. You think? Yeah, I started playing music after that because that was kind of one of those things where I was like, "Oh, this is like a real person. Like it's like just a normal cool dude. Yeah. And, like it's not like." This magical, like, super yeah, was they were taken down off the pedestal, yeah, felt yeah. like a job you could have, yeah, totally. Regular totally. Joe, like Zach Ames, yeah. So then, yeah, I played in some different bands in Chattanooga. So now, did you go to college in Tennessee as well? Yeah, I went to Middle Tennessee State, Middle Tennessee State. And what were you studying in Middle Tennessee State? What was the plan there? Um, well, actually, I went to UT Chattanooga first. Okay. Uh, basically, I went there because I was super lazy, and I was already friends with a bunch of people at the school there, and it was in my hometown, so I was like, well, that's, that's the only one I'm going to apply to. Yeah. I qualify for the scholarship. So that's where I went. But then they, they had I was a theater major, and they had like the worst theater department on the planet. Now, why did you, you choose to be a theater major? Uh, I just had friends that were theater majors. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're just kind of <laughs> taking life as it came to you for a while? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and now, why would you decide to switch schools? Uh, well, the theater department was just terrible. Like I'm like I'm a good like I was always a pretty good student, and I was just like this is not worth my time. <laughs> it was it was really bad. It was it was I, I yeah I don't you can't even go into how bad Any it was. Stories? Huh? Any horror stories? From yeah, that? just well, like none of the professors had ever done anything professionally. Yeah, and it's usually were, a bad sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was just like it was just real loud. Like they did a lot of really bad plays. The worst play they did was a production of this play called Electra, which is like a Greek. Uh, like a Greek play. Yeah. And so, you know, in Greek plays, they have like the chorus. 
So for no fucking reason, they decided that the entire chorus for this Greek play was all going to be African tribal dance. But then it was all white people in the in the chorus, so it was like they all do these, the blackface or no? No, but they, so they had all these white people doing these African tribal dances in like traditional African garb and like singing these songs and stuff for no reason, and then and then everything else was like kind of Greek looking the other costumes. But then there's two characters that come in towards the end of the play. And both of them were dressed up like Neo from the Matrix for no reason. Like <laughs> like sunglasses, uh, trench coat, boots, all black. Oh, I'll tell you why. The Matrix was a popular film. They know <laughs> they know what the audience wants, Zach. I, to be honest, though, if I was at that Electra play, I was like, sweet, the Matrix stuff is coming into play. Yeah, so it's just that's like, yeah, that's like, it's a really bad department. So you, you transferred colleges because yeah, you were just, you realized there wasn't a lot going on at the UT yeah, well, I, what had happened, um, so I did that my first year, so then my second year I switched to communications, and then by the end of the year, I was basically, like, the person that was, like, the best person, in, like, doing video stuff in the department, which is, like, ri- fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's really silly. Yeah. Um, so John and I actually used to, uh, my roommate John Darnell. John Darnell, uh, a comedian out here in Los Angeles as well. Yeah, we used to have a uh, public access show called Rock Bottom with John Darnell, which you can actually find clips of it on. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, it was terrible, but it was, like, a multicam show. I directed, I directed it live, like, multicam, so then... Uh, so the, yeah, so then I transferred schools because that department just wasn't good enough for me. So MTSU had a really good department, so that's okay. why I transferred there. So you went there, and then so you started you started making videos with John. You, you directed, mm-hmm. and then when when did you decide to come out to Los Angeles? What was the okay? I'm throwing it all in the car. I'm driving out here. When did that moment happen? Um, well. I, one, after I decide, kind of decided I wanted to come to Los Angeles, this is actually another one of those like meet your idols thing. Sure. Um, but uh, Doug Benson actually came to my college. Oh, okay. Uh, and did a show there, and then I contacted him through a special thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys you, do. You guys know what a special thing is? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, with uh, all the comedy nerds. A special thing. He means it's a website called aspecialthing.com. dot com. It's kind of an alt comedy message board. Yeah, but I, like when I've you been, said that though. I, I was just like, what special thing is he talking? Yeah. About? <laughs> no. So I've like I've been a member there for like I don't really post much on there, but I would always use it as a way to like find out stuff. So that was that's that like I've been a member there for like ten years. So that's very much oh, wow. so some very much so something that like kind of shaped my shaped your comedy yeah sensibilities. my comedy sensibility for sure. Um, but anyway, so Doug Benson was coming to my college, and he was a member on there. So I just messaged him and was like, hey, you're coming to my college. Let's hang out. So then, like, we went and, like, partied. Yeah, what's, so it, it, what's, was, it, like, uh, what's it like partying <laughs> with Doug Benson? What do you guys uh, get into? Uh, it, was, uh, it was fine. We just, like, we, like, went to this bar, and, you know, there was, like, a band playing. We just kind of drank. It was, you know, it was fun. <laughs> just hung out. before you were a comic at all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't start doing comedy until after I moved here. Okay, so I start doing stand up. Meeting Doug Benson, did you start picking Doug's ear about or picking his brain going, "Oh, hey, what's LA like?" Yeah, kind of like he kind of yeah, was, he kind of like told us about like what the better parts of he was like, "Yeah, you should move to the valley because that's where it's cheaper and right. you know, like, you know, typical was, Yeah, typical generic like LA advice. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, man, just come out here, follow your dreams. I remember when I was at Penn <laughs> well, State. Well, no, he even he, well, he actually said if you're wanting to move to do comedy, he was like, "Hey, you should move to a different city first and then come to LA." Yeah. It's like, well, oh, well, fuck it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and maybe that is 
for me, it was always, oh, you could go to another town, and then you would have to move to L.A. Eventually, eventually once you yeah. Good. So, so you might as well just come here. My logic was just to come to L.A., but yeah, I guess it couldn't hurt to go to a, you know an Austin, a Chicago, develop an act, and then come out. But then you, you, you start hanging out in Austin, Chicago, you really like it, and then you have to go through another move. Yeah, I didn't like – I never liked Chicago or really New York. I've been to both, and they're all right. I just don't like how everything's piled on each other. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the nice thing about L.A. It is spread out. Yeah, so when I was wanting to move after college, um, my three choices were probably Austin, L.A., or maybe Seattle, which I you know, I hadn't been to Seattle. I was like, yeah, I can check it out and see if it's a city I like. Um, the reason I moved to L.A., though, is because I got an internship uh, at uh, Rogue Pictures and Focus Features in the development office. Oh, okay. And it was kind of like, like I finished college, I finished college, and then they're like, hey, you got this internship. You got to be here in two weeks. So I just kind of threw everything in a truck, and John didn't really have anything other. He was like a waiter somewhere, so he was like, "Yeah, I'll just move with you." So, we just, <laughs> so we just yeah, like I'll just move across the country yeah, with you, man. See what happens. Yeah, we just threw everything in a twenty-seven foot U-Haul truck and hitched my car up and came out here. Came out to L.A. just to see what would happen. Yeah, it's funny you talk about hearing people and hearing stories. I remember I went when I was at Penn State. I went and saw a guest lecture, and and Ben Stein was uh, he was the guest lecturer, <laughs> and it wasn't. Like looking back on it, I don't even think he did comedy. He just told some like funny stories and kind of talked. And his whole thing was like, "Yeah, when I go to these schools, I'm like, you guys should go out to L.A. There, it's warm weather, it's nice, there's plenty of good jobs. I mean, I don't know why people just hang around. And yeah, you guys can just go out and do it." And I was like, "Man, if Ben Stein can do it, I can do it." <laughs> and not not to crap on Ben Stein, but he just he made it sound really easy and that hey, just come out, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that was an, that was another uh, piece for me to kind of be inspired and come out. What was your what was your experience being an intern at um, a uh, movie company? I learned a lot. It's it's funny because I hadn't really thought that I was gonna. I never really thought of myself as a performer for comedy. Really? Yeah. So you I'd wanted always, to get into production. I wanted side to get into like production, stuff. writing, development, and I really honestly like when I started my job, I was like, all right, I'm gonna get out there. I want to get me. A, I want to become a development exec, and then I'll be the one making good decisions instead of all these <laughs> bad decisions being made. And then the reality of the job is even at, like Rogan, Rogan Focus. They were, you know, they were, like did like arty kind of like cool movies. You know, they did like Hot Fuzz. Yeah, you know, they they released uh, like In Bruges. Like they did like a lot of really cool kind of arty movies. Um, but uh, yeah, I basically just learned that no development exec gives a fuck about anything. They yeah. they only give notes. Uh, because they have to give notes every day or they lose their job. Right, yeah. That's, so it doesn't really matter what the – they don't even care what's going on in the project. They just have to tell you they to just, change something. Usually because usually something to do with like, oh, well, his people are litigious. Take his name out of there. But, yeah. You know? If they're not telling you to change something, then they're not doing their job. And that's exactly. what I learned. They're kind and, of justifying their job and, by making work. Well, and that's why they like, – they, like especially at Rogue, the, they, they since sold it after I worked there. Uh, but it was at that point they were basically had given up on doing like good movies and just had just like ever, almost everything they were doing was a remake. Oh, okay. and it's because you know it's it's one of those things where if they have a new project and it tanks, then it's their fault. But then if they're like, well, last time it did great, I don't know why yeah, it did exactly. bad this time. <laughs> then it's like it's all about shifting the blame around so right. you don't lose your job. That's all they care about. So now, when do you when did you you decide to become a for- performer? Start doing stand up comedy? Yeah, well, about halfway through the internship, I sort of realized that everyone, all the other interns were Harvard, Yale, Princeton people, and I was kind of the token public school kid that wasn't going to get a job <laughs> because all the bosses were also Harvard, Yale, Princeton people. So. Uh, yeah, I kind of so I was like, well, I'm in LA. I might as well try and do stand up. So uh, I started going to Haha ha Cafe like 
three, four nights a week. Yeah, Haha ha Cafe is a little little comedy club in the valley off Lancashire. It's uh, I started doing a lot of stand up there back in the day. It's I feel like it's a place where a lot of people start. It's, out. A, it's a good place to cut your teeth because they're trying to get like. It's kind of it's run kind of scammy, so they're trying to get money out of you. So they want new people there, so they're very supportive. Right. Like honestly, if I had started going, if I had started by going to open mics like Bruco, I probably would have quit comedy. Sure. Right. There's there's more. Yeah. I guess there's some other mics, other open mics out there that are kind of tougher. Or it wouldn't be as good of a place to start. Or but just the talent level's so much better. Right, exactly. That you don't want to show up completely green to. Haha, ha, at least. It was a lot of other people starting out, so you and, can at least... And also of- people that are just garbage. Yeah. Like, do you remember any of the... Like, I, I love thinking... Like, I kind of miss some of the crazies from there. Yeah. There was, like... Um, there was a guy named Larry. Did you ever see that Larry guy? No. He, he would, like... He would, he would... His big clothes... He was just terrible... And his big closer was he would sing uh, the song Love Potion Number 9 mm-hmm. and barely change the lyrics to make it about himself. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had one guy, Rick Masters, and I, I'll never forget this guy's name. And his whole gimmick was uh, he was a male porn star, but he, he also had a dream of doing stand-up comedy. So his whole thing was just – his whole shtick was about how I'm a male porn star. You know, they actually pay me to have sex? <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to say to my buddies when I say I had a hard day at the office? What, I had to bone three chicks? <laughs> I mean, that was the whole gimmick. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you probably were uh, traumatized as a child sexually and you're <laughs> acting out in this bizarre way. I mean, there is a reality that's very interesting of, of a porn star, but you're, you're, you're not touching on it at all. Yeah, um, there was my, I think my all-time favorite, uh, there was a guy named Jeff the Chef. Okay. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. I saw him maybe three or four times. Uh, he he had a chef outfit that said Jeff on it. Right. And his act was he had a giant duffel bag completely filled with dildos. <laughs> and he would pull the dildos out one at a time and talk about them. Okay. Well, you know, that's an interesting take on prop comedy. I was just talking about a guy I remember from back in the day. Dildos, right? Hilarious. <laughs> the guy's name was Fancy Ray. He was from Minnesota. He had a jerry curl. He dressed like Prince. He talked about how him and Prince went to high school together or something, supposedly. But he it was just all this. Uh, his Wait, he, he would claim that him and Prince went to high school together yep, so he yeah. could dress like him? Like uh, yeah, that I, was the style in Minnesota at the it, time? Every, yeah. Everybody dressed like this. He, he was just swept up in the fashion. I just remember his catch line was, Fancy Ray, I am the best looking man in comedy. Woo! I looked in the mirror. I got myself pregnant. Ha, child. Like, that was his whole thing. was just about how good looking he was. And I would kind of get... Get lost in the X sometime. Like, wait, is he really good looking? No, he's just—he's an average-looking guy who has a Jerry curl and dresses <laughs> kind of, you know, flamboyantly and, and claims to be insanely good looking. So, all right, you're out here doing stand-up comedy, yep. and you start Ogre Mage. Take us through Ogre Mage, Zach. You're the um, lead singer of Ogre Mage. Well, what happened with Ogre Mage was uh, I kind of tried to start the band in Tennessee before I moved here. We had like one practice. And it was terrible. And the song that we played at that practice, we don't even play now. But I like kind of had some pieces of songs uh, kind of floating through my head for a couple of years because of that. Because I kind of like, I, you know, we had one practice, and then I moved right after, and was like, "Well, fuck this." Uh, but I still brought all my like amps and guitars and stuff because we had a twenty-seven foot moving truck uh, that was like only a quarter of the way filled because it was the only truck they had at the place. <laughs> so, um, uh, so. Uh, Basically what happened, I'd, it, so the songs have been kind of floating through my head for a while, uh, and then I was at an open mic and was just like kind of thinking, hey, maybe I should try and start this band back up. 
So then I went up on the mic and was like, hey, I'm starting a band. If anyone plays any instruments, let me know. And I sang a little bit of Slaughter King. And then Tom Becker was happened to be there. Okay, you mentioned a Slaughter King. I got a uh, got a little sample here. Before I play it, describe the overall concept to Ogre Mage, because I think it is unique in the idea of a fantasy rock band. Can you explain that yeah, idea? Um, yeah, we, we play fantasy rock, which is it's basically like... All those bands, all those like awesome rock bands from the seventies. Every one of them had like one ridiculous Lord of the Rings song on their album. Right. So basically, we've taken that and turned it into a whole band. Exactly. <laughs> More or less. Kind of like Kiss, but if you're into wizards and stuff like that. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, a big yeah, like school science fiction. Yeah, I mean, influence definitely like Queen is an influence. I'm a huge Queen fan. Uh, you know, Cheap Trick, Deep Purple, Thin Lizzy. So if J.R.R. Tolkien had a heavy metal band. This yeah, would be Ogre kinda. Mish. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right, here you go. Here's a little sample from Slaughter King. Rocking, man. Nice. Yeah, oh, I wanted to hear the solo. You cut it off. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's all the sample I got. But, yeah, I, I was... When I first saw you guys play, I, I thought, okay, this is kind of... Because uh, I saw the pictures and like the idea of like yeah. a fantasy rock band. Okay, hey, I'm on board. I'll, I'll check it out, see what's going on. But then I was surprised that, wow, you could really sing. Like, you could really... I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I surprised a lot of people. Because I was around the stand-up scene for a while. Yeah, and nobody really knew I could. No, sing. I, I didn't know you had any kind yeah. of musical taste. I mean, it was almost—I don't want to say Susan Boyle-like experience because that would imply <laughs> that you're hideously unattractive, and I was surprised you had any talent. But I just—I guess, yeah, I don't know what I expected. A guy that could hit a really, you know, can really have a have a nice range singing would look like. But I, I was kind of taken back. Yeah, well, it's—I think that's one thing that we always like. I feel like we always surprise people with the band. Because they're like fantasy rock, like what the fuck is this gonna be? Like yeah. nobody really knows exactly. But I don't think there's exactly what it's gonna be. But I don't think there's really another way to describe accurately what we do. And it is, it is kind of its own genre. Yeah, it's well, basically, it's like rock stuff for guys who are kind of nerd out to Harry Potter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also people like myself who are not necessarily into science fiction. But oh, hey, that's kind of a, a new take on stuff. I, I enjoy the riffing. The, the guitar works really yeah. strong. And every uh, every song is a self contained adventure. And now, now we've actually gotten into like we wrote a prequel for one of our like one of our new songs is actually actually a prequel for one of our other wow, songs. You're, you're digging deep already. <laughs> <laughs> now describe, you know, I, I'm a fan. I know a lot of uh, other comedians are fans. Describe a typical ogre mage fan because I know you've you've talked about I think on stage that you've had some you've had some interesting people contact you online. People that oh, find yeah. your stuff. Uh, well, the typical fan is just uh, you know just kind of. Just normal, a little maybe a little bit hipstery, uh, you know. A lot of we've I, I think we've had like a lot of music snobby people kind of like it, which is good. Um, I think what you're talking about though is uh, I, the fan mail I received. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I was getting at. I've, I've gotten a couple pieces of fan mail. Like I got I got a letter from one guy that was just like, "Hey, I love your music." Uh, he's some guy, this guy in like Louisiana. He was like, "Hey, I love your music. I shared it with everybody in my World of Warcraft guild." I'm like, oh, and okay. I just emailed him back, like, oh, thanks, dude. Like, you know, thanks for, you know, that's really nice yeah, of you to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I got, I got this one email one time, 
Um, it had like it, it was the longest one I've ever gotten. It had like a lot of really nice things to say. It was like very well written. Um, but then like halfway through the email, there was a non sequitur kind of that just out of nowhere that just said, "I really like your singer's hairy arms." <laughs> Because uh, I I don't I yeah because I, I I wear uh, sleeveless shirts on stage right. like I wear sleeveless shirts and eyeliner just because I think it's hilarious because I yes. don't look like someone that should be wearing and like as that. as a fellow hairy man I appreciate to see a guy mm-hmm. proudly displaying shoulder hair as a front yeah. man I'm very yeah I have very hairy shoulders <laughs> yes no I noticed um, yeah uh, I'm in the same I think guild Sean I mean written that email <laughs> <laughs> so so you know like I was I saw that and I was just like oh okay well that's like really weird. And then after that, it had some more, like, nice things to say. But then, like, really specific things. Because a lot of times, you know, especially when you're listening to music, it's a lot more passive than comedy. So uh, people will listen to it, but they don't necessarily, like, really pay attention to every lyric. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're playing. Because, you know, you're, like, drinking and having fun, talking to your friends. You don't have to pay attention as much to enjoy it. It's just the nature of yeah, music. Yeah, it's a more passive experience. Yeah, totally. Uh, but this person had, like, a lot of really specific, nice things to say about, like, very specific things. And I was like, all right, well, that's cool. They, like, really liked us. And then the last line of the email was, um, uh, your singer's got a really great voice. And he's cute, too. Ooh. And, yeah, I read that, and I, I seriously was like, oh, nice. Some fucking, some chicks in the Showbiz is paying off. And it was, like, it was, like, right after the Tomorrow Show. And there was like, you know, t- there was like a bunch of girls in the audience. So I right. was like, hey, maybe one of the girls at the Tomorrow Show was like interested in me. But then it was signed, uh, Sincerely Chuckles the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> so now so, who is Chuckles the Clown? Yeah, so it was, it was spelled weird. So I was like, I've got to be able to find this online because it has like a weird spelling. So I went to go look it up online. And it's just, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, like the main reason I went to go look it up on MySpace was because I was still hoping that it was going to be a woman. Right. Like I read that and I was like, it's going to be a dude. But then I was, but then I've actually learned a lot about myself there because, <laughs> because I was like, well, obviously, like I knew from reading the the way it was spelled, like I knew it was a juggalo. Like I knew it was as soon as I read the name. But then I was still thinking, like, well, maybe if it is a woman, like, it's not, it's not really such a bad thing yeah, if she maybe wants to wear clown makeup. If maybe she's a hot. woman, yeah, she's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. She's kind of into makeup, that whole thing. I've, you know, I've dated girls that like fish. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't have to like their music necessarily. I'll, right. I'll go to the concert and have some drinks and enjoy myself, and you know, and then you're already playing this life out yeah. for you and checking <laughs> for clown. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have three children, two dogs, <laughs> one cat, a rabbit, and a parrot. Um, yeah, so so I went to go look at it. it was you know and good on him for sending the email because okay. I so not, it was a him yeah it was, it was a dude and it's like I because <laughs> you know I'm I know I'm not going to put myself out there so I want to say at least say if he happens to be listening like good for you for putting yourself out there yeah you know, not this time. Not this time, but you know. Maybe I love how one you day. say. Yeah, I love how you say. Not this time. Like, hey, keep keep pounding keep away. Trying. Yeah, yeah, keep keep them. Keep emailing lead singers of fantasy rock bands out there. One day you're gonna find a guy who's also into into guys, and yeah. maybe you guys can share a moment together. Yeah, but the, nice. it, it, it also in that moment when I was looking through his pictures, I was really glad that I'm not a woman, <laughs> and I was just thought it was kind of hilarious. But seriously, in every picture, he's holding a chainsaw. Yes. Like every single picture, because like chainsaw and hatchet murder is like a, a juggalo thing, right? Yeah, you're you're talking about juggalos. Juggalos are the ICP insane I, clown posse fans yeah. who are. I mean, the FBI said they're kind of a now they they're classifying them as a gang because they're just these bizarre fans they're, they're kind who of dress terrible up people. and yeah, they've been they That's they do true. they do meth and have clown orgies. Like I knew juggalos in Tennessee. They're 
They're they're not a gang in that in that they're too dumb to be organized. Right. There's no hierarchy. They're <laughs> There's all no hierarchy. Kind of... They just go around causing mischief, and they're you know exactly. They're uh, they're wild characters. All right. Well, you're talking about um, we talked we talked about religion and kind of where it fits in, in public schools. This uh, this Rick Perry ad was uh, sweeping the sweeping the Facebook community, and I, I thought it was worth uh, giving a play here. This is uh, Rick Perry talking about uh, staying strong. I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a Christian, but you don't need to be in the pew every Sunday to know that there's something wrong in this country when gays can serve openly in the military, but our kids can't openly celebrate Christmas or pray in school. As president, I'll end Obama's war on religion, and I'll fight against liberal attacks on our religious heritage. Faith made America strong. It can make her strong again. I'm Rick Perry, and I approve this message. Oh wow! I do love how much of a is that new? Yeah, I think that just came out today. Just it just dropped. Right, new new single from Rick Perry. Yeah, well, he's not going to be president. Dropping at you. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, why you don't really have to attack gay people and their right to serve there to get your point across? Of hey, I think we should be able to be more free to express our religious beliefs in public school. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing where I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's you should be able to have like a prayer time if you're a kid and you want to pray because you, yeah, you should be protected well, by the First Amendment. I mean, there's you're, the moment of silence, right? Exactly. And and honestly, I mean, any school is gonna if some kid legitimately wants to have a prayer time, they're gonna give it to that kid. <laughs> they're not gonna cause a stink about it. Nobody's that dumb. Yeah, I don't think they prohibit prayer. No, not at all. The teacher leading a prayer. Like yeah, I, I think where it, where it gets tricky is they don't want. Oh, okay, hey, this is Christmas. You guys are going to celebrate Christmas, and then Which is some a Jewish holiday, by the way. Some Jewish kid. Yeah, it is so some it's Jewish not going kid. Anywhere people are like, oh, we're on Christmas. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not disruptive, no teacher is going to prevent a kid from. Here's my thing. It, it definitely should be the separation between church and state. But if you want to have a Christmas party for the kids, I, I don't see any harm in it. You, I think you can. I, I don't know. It's it's but this if fine. Call it a holiday party. I don't have a right. Exactly. Yeah. You can do it without making it religious. That that's what that yeah that, that's what really bothers me when uh, a lot of the right wing people they're like they're trying to take Christmas away. They're like no they're trying to include everyone so people don't feel left out and <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing because, yeah, Christmas is a good thing and, hey, hanging out and the, the spirit of Christmas is positive. But I can see if your parents didn't celebrate Christmas or, or Hanukkah or especially if they had kind of an offshoot religion or something that was less popular, I could see, you know, being mm-hmm. bummed out. And then if I'm a Muslim guy living in America and I'm paying my tax dollars and then all they're doing is, you know. Putting up Christmas a, tree. Yeah, they're like, having a big Christmas this. party. It's like, come on, man. I you know. Yeah, they're yeah they're paying their tax money. I think I think it's it goes a little far on both sides. People get really angry. I don't want my kid doing this or that, and then oh they're trying to stop Christmas. They hate Christmas. It's yeah, I mean you know my they would pretty regularly lead prayers where I went to school. So it's you know yeah, especially would. at like any sort of like school function like oh the principal's leading a prayer or like oh they got some fucking reverend to lead a prayer. <laughs> wow. Great, we have to That's sit through crazy. this. Now, yeah, this it, it didn't matter what kind of school function it was. We prayed before football games, but I don't feel like that's that bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember doing a doing a doing a prayer before uh, football games, but that's that's just to help your team win. I mean, that, yeah. that's just that's just that's just good coaching. Yeah, exactly. Here's another here's another Rick Perry ad. This one, he's trying to make fun of himself for the uh, flubbing his line where he couldn't remember what department he wanted to get rid of. I just I just found it hilarious that they tried to capitalize on his mistake here. 
commerce, education, and the, uh, uh, what's the third one there? Department of Energy. <laughs> you know, we've all lost our train of thought before, but not many have done it on national TV. Now, if you want a slick debater, I'm obviously not your guy. But if you want a clean house in Washington with a balanced budget amendment, a flat tax, and a part-time Congress, I'm your man. I'm Rick Perry. What's that line again? I'm Rick Perry, and I approve of this message. Oh, Rick. He's got a good sense of humor. I definitely don't want someone uh, talking to other world leaders. Who has no idea what the fuck they're talking about? It is, it is funny that he he craps on the idea of oh yeah I don't want a slick debater. I mean a person who remembers what they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's going to lead the United Nations? Yeah, that wasn't even. It wasn't like they were in the middle of a heated debate. Yeah, he, he just, just couldn't remember what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it would be different if it was okay. Uh, this some obscure reference to something, but it was a cornerstone of his political campaign. So you would think, all right, that's something I'm focused on. I wouldn't forget that. And even if you do forget it, I just found it hilarious that they try to capitalize on it. And then they got the acoustic guitar guy in the background, <laughs> him walking around, just, you know, all shucks. You know, I'm just a regular Joe. <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting to see who the who the Republicans who gonna, do. Who's going to lose to Obama. <laughs> yeah, who they end up deciding to, to I, run against. I think it's Barack hilarious Obama. that they're that – they're they're trying to get all the people that left Herman Cain to go over to Newt Gingrich because they're all leaving Herman Cain over an affair, but Newt Gingrich yeah, has publicly yeah. had like several affairs. Yeah, he built his campaign on having public affairs. Well, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they wouldn't have left Herman if he didn't drop out. Well, to be to be to be clear, Herman Cain did not stop his election. He's just temporary. He just put it on hold. Oh, okay. And they said I read why he said that was because if he just says to put it on hold, he can still technically receive money for campaign finance it's a campaign finance loophole so if you say i can't i'm stopped running you can't take any more money or now he can still go around and do speeches take money and pay off some of whatever his campaign pay mm-hmm. off that money without actually that actually stopping these corporate fat cats act they yeah. have to be done they have to be stopped i tell you all right you're talking about football i found this on the internet i don't know youtube decided to highlight these uh Highlight these kids complaining about football. I, I thought it was uh, pretty adorable. This is a kid ranting. I think he turned out to be an Eagles fan because they showed the kid was watching the Eagles versus the Patriots. And uh, this is the kid reacting to uh, Tom Brady. What? <laughs> Tom Brady. Don't video me. Why are you so mad at Tom Brady? <laughs> well, I think Tom Brady's an idiot, too. He might throw a pick. <laughs> Why don't you like Tom Brady so much? Because he's mean? No, I hate him. Oh, Christopher. Don't get so upset. <laughs> we'll go give him a punch. <laughs> don't be so mad at Tom Brady. I hate him, though. <laughs> That literally, I don't know how. Who doesn't they, hate Tom Brady? Yes, exactly. Well, I guess I guess Patriots fans and maybe just uh, who's he dating? Giselle Buncham. I don't oh, know who yeah. that current wife is, but yeah, I mean, I a lot of NFL fans hate Tom Brady. I'm sure the chick he knocked up and left right after. I'm sure she's not a huge fan. She's probably not a diehard Patriots fan. Maybe she moved over to the New York Jets. First off, we were talking last week about kind of how bizarre fame has gotten, and that eventually. I had a theory that eventually privacy will be the new fame because everyone has just gotten so 
saturated with sharing their own thoughts, ideas, whatever, that privacy will be the new fame. Like, oh my god, I had a moment that no one saw on camera that no one knows about. And this just lends itself right to it. Even this five-year-old kid goes, don't videotape me. Like, even a kid at five years old is becoming self-conscious of, no, I don't want this to be on the internet. I know other people will see this. Yeah, I'm seriously uncomfortable with those videos of people videoing their kids crying. Like, there was one... Their kid, though. There was one with a kid uh, high after he got his... I don't know, he was at the dentist. Oh, yeah, yeah, he got gassed or something. Oh, right. That was terrible. Everyone thought that was funny, and I was like, "That poor kid. That fucking dad is a dick." <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the, the and now that kid can't help that that's online now, and he's forever famous, and he yeah. I mean that that's not as bad. This is worse. I'm sure. I'm sure that kid gets made fun of for that at school too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Ugh. it's it's turned into this weird cottage industry because that kid's video, David after the dentist, that became you know he was on. Um, Tosh.0, that whole thing, and then they started selling t-shirts, I don't know, maybe they're ringtones, like, it's weird to kind of pimp your kid out in this innocent moment, I I mean, I guess you draw the line of, like, if you have a really cute moment with your kid or your pet, you're like, oh, hey, I want to share this, but especially, I mean, the pet, who cares, but a kid... That's the kid. The kid should be able to decide whether he wants to be famous or not, or whether he wants to be out on the internet or have his picture and people know him. I think it's kind of a bizarre world we're working our way into. Yeah, and there, there are layers of it. I mean, there's that kid that uh, was dressed like a zombie, and <laughs> did you see that clip where this is like the reporter asked? They were at a carnival or something. They asked him what he was dressed as, and he just goes, "I like turtles." <laughs> and that became like a big clip. I mean, that's cuter, and there's, you know, he's not crying or. Anything. Well, here's a, here's another <laughs> one. We're talking about the GOP candidates and and pimping your kids out. Michelle Bachman was doing a book signing somewhere. Oh yeah, and this. this little kid came up and was like, like whisper something in her ear. And, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What'd you say, kid? I said, and then uh, what did you say? He goes. My mom's gay, and she doesn't need to be fixed. And Michelle Bachman's like, all right, bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was weird because, I mean, I understand the, the, the person who has – the woman who adopted the kid that she's trying to make a statement and point out Michelle Bachman's anti-gay. But I think Michelle Bachman has kind of pointed she's, out yeah. for herself. It's kind of weird to use your kid as a political instrument there. She's pretty openly anti-gay. Right, and – I don't see what you're accomplishing by, like, throwing your kid in this politically charged debate. Uh, okay, yeah, show him. We're going to put her in her place. It, the kid, yeah, the kid, I'm sure, loves his mom and doesn't care that she's gay. I think it's just weird to try to, like, create a moment there. Do you Have you watched any of the debates? I, I've tried to watch a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's hard. I've watched some of them. My favorite thing in any debate is when they finally get around to asking Ron Paul a question. <laughs> yeah. And then just watching the faces of all the other candidates. Because they're all just like snickering and rolling their eyes yeah. like, oh, crazy's, it's crazy's turn. And, 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 and usually all he says is, this war's fucked up. We should get out of the war. Yeah, no, and they're like, what a nut job. It's almost like they've come together and decided, Ron Paul makes a lot of sense. We should just do whatever we can to ignore him. Because we are... Typical politicians, they're designed to kind of, you know, succeed in the system. Ron Paul's talking about like ending the system and and changing things, and you know, and yeah, who wants to hear that? Especially if you're one of these candidates that benefit from from that system. He's consistently in second place too. Like he's always up there, and they they kind of leave him out of a lot of lists. Like, oh yeah, Rick Perry versus Mitt Romney, and it's like, well, Rick Perry's actually behind Ron Paul. He. 
um, Ron Paul is one of the GOP candidates that said he wasn't going to show up to the next GOP debate, which is moderated by Donald Trump. Ugh. It's pretty bizarre. I mean, Donald Trump, I I think he's hilarious, or he's yeah. a caricature, right? He's yeah. a caricature. He's, well, even this is a stunt. Like, everything he does is some goofy stunt. It's just funny, and he's... <laughs> Right, there are people on TV that are total characters. Okay, is it, is it normal to have this many debates? I don't, like I don't remember, to I be feel honest. Like people are paying more attention. Maybe. Because I mean, there's so many debates, they don't even air them all on national TV. Oh. So. All right, let's, uh, let's get into some... Uh, all right, here we go. I found this story fascinating. This is, a, this is coming out of England. A woman was, a woman was buried alive. Take a listen to this. It's pretty interesting. Michalina Lewandowska and her fiancé lived in this house with their young son, and it was here, she told the jury, that her nightmare began. Tasered twice by her fiancé, who she claims wanted her dead, Lewandowska testified in court behind a screen. I was trying to push him away with a taser. He knelt down. He pressed my ribs with his knee and continued to use the taser. She says her fiancé's friend helped him put her in a cardboard box, tape it up, carry her down the stairs, and into the trunk of a car. She was buried alive at the top of this hill, her feet taped together. But she had a secret weapon, the engagement ring her fiancé gave her. She used it to cut the tape, then scratch her way out. I started to tear the box apart. I was focusing on the opening I had just made. Soil was getting in. My face was getting dirty. I could see some black sky and leaves. I was so exhausted. Lewandowska freed herself and flagged down a car. The prosecution is arguing that her fiancé was bored with her and wanted to start a new life. His defense? He was only trying to scare her. The, the build-up was worth it for the yeah. end. Where yeah. that's, uh, that's pretty scary. Yeah. How do you – what lawyer goes, okay, I'm, I'm pulling my hair out here. We could just say you didn't do it. It was a prank. Yeah, it was a prank. Yeah, we were just a, goofing off. Yeah, you guys have seen Jackass, right? Sometimes the pranks go wrong. <laughs> Me and my buddy were just hanging out and we were like, you know what would be hilarious? Let's go, let's let's, go let's tie let's my girlfriend to, up and bury, bury her alive. Bury her alive. That sounds like a good plan, man. Well, we should probably taser first. Yeah, sweet. Good call. First off, I mean, that excuse is hilarious in and of itself. But secondly, who is this guy's buddy? I feel like I have trouble getting a friend to just help me move a regular box, let alone a box with a woman kicking in. A human person. (laughs) How do you find these friends that, yeah, just casually hanging out? Yeah, should we go murder my Yeah, sure. (laughs) You going to give me a six-pack of buds or something? Like, what are you going to do for me here? And I love it. That he was bored with her. That was what the prosecution would say. If you're bored with a, a girlfriend, it, there's there's plenty of solutions outside of it. Uh, although, to be honest, as awful as it sounds, like my first instinct was, man, she must have been really annoyed. Not that, not that, it, not that it matters. She's a badass bitch. She dug herself out of a fucking grave. <laughs> yes. And, well, but, they, they really did a poor job of burying her. I know. It's, what kind of box is this? A cardboard box? Yeah. Yes. It was a, it was a cardboard box. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bury someone alive, you got to do <laughs> you got to do more to that. They really half-assed this burying alive uh, business. I don't. It sounds like they didn't even really want to bury her alive. Yeah, exactly. That's they his argument. They were just trying to scare. Her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're on, I mean, you're on his side. Yeah. If I really wanted to murder her, I would have uh, tied her down with stronger duct tape. I would have put some cement in there. Cardboard box. That's yeah. Anyone can dig their way out of a shallow grave in a cardboard box. 
Okay, let's uh, let's touch on a little celebrity news here. Everyone loves it when uh, celebrities get in trouble, and this man got kicked off a uh, plane on American Airlines. On 30 Rock, Alec Baldwin plays a self-centered TV executive, but it's his alleged real-life behavior that got the actor kicked off a plane in Los Angeles. Baldwin's spokesman says he was playing the game Words with Friends while the New York-bound American Airlines plane idled at LAX. American turned to its Facebook page. The airline doesn't cite Baldwin by name, but describes the actions of an extremely vocal customer. American says Baldwin refused to turn off his phone, even going into the lavatory to continue playing. Pilots <laughs> heard the lavatory door slam so loudly that they contacted flight attendants to find out what was happening. American says Baldwin was extremely rude to the crew, called them names, and used offensive language. Baldwin himself turned to Twitter, tweeting such bombs as, American Airlines is where Catholic school gym teachers from the 1950s find jobs as flight attendants. Which is a bizarre insult. It is. Yeah, it's oh, very yeah, specific. Yeah, it's, it's a very specific insult. And if you're Alec Baldwin, just turn off the iPhone. It's not that difficult. I understand flying is kind of a pain in the butt. But if someone if they ask you to turn your phone off, you got to turn your phone off. Obviously, it's it's dumb. Obviously, having a phone doesn't actually cause any interference because if there was a legit threat of having your phone on while the plane was operating, they wouldn't let you board with your phone. They would collect everyone's phones yeah. and then you would be able to get on. So I see his point that it's a stupid rule, but you're on a plane. You have to follow that rule. And it just brings up a bigger point of our society that we're just so – we're just kind of these like soft, pathetic little cyber bullies where, oh, they wouldn't let me play my game. Now I'm going to go on and tweet about how bad they are and then – and then American Airlines takes a dig at him on their well, Facebook page without mentioning him. I heard that he got um, his Twitter account deactivated. Oh, really? Because he was he was encouraging people to, to stop to, to unfollow American Airlines. <laughs> you so can't. Then, I guess that's a rule or something. Whoa! Wow! Interesting. Wow! I don't know if it's active now, but I think it was it was deactivated. I don't know. Wow! They took him down. <laughs> no, this now is I'm on his side. Yeah, fight the, against the man. Fight the power. Take out American Airlines. You know, American Airlines is just trying to run their business, albeit into the ground. But you know, <laughs> come on, you just you turn your phone off. It's not it's not that complex. To let's just, all get let's all get plane tickets and occupy American Airlines. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to show them we can play any any game we want, any time we want. And who wants to get into that argument? I, Obviously, Alec Baldwin has some issues. I mean, we heard the phone messages of him yelling at his kid. Yeah, those are great. And it, yeah, it was. It's pretty funny as outsiders to just see him, to hear him yelling at the kid. Yeah, and she maybe she does act like a little piggy. Wait, is this new? I haven't heard. This. No, those are. Oh old. yeah, they're years yeah. old. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they're uh, pretty popular at the time because he's freaking out. He's he calling, like, he calls his daughter a piggy or something. Yeah. You yeah. snot nosed little piggy! You're gonna. Ignore my phone calls. He just basically went, do you know who I am? I'm Alec Baldwin to his daughter, which is a weird move to pull because you are also her father. So I, I think that's kind of a tough move to pull the power trip there. And whatever. I get it. It's frustrating being a dad. I, I'm Dads yell at their kids. I, I get it. But it, when it comes out in public, it's it's pretty embarrassing. But, I mean, at least, at least getting kicked out of um, off an airplane, at least he wasn't kevin smith who got kicked off for being too fat for the southwest flight that's really Mm -hmm. rock bottom when it comes to celebrities getting kicked off flights what happened to the days when a celebrity got kicked off just for being drunk and you know being you know being debaucherous uh, hooking up with an airline flight attendant like that's rock and roll didn't naomi campbell like throw a shoe at someone or something she's i think she's known for throwing blackberries that seems to be her weapon of choice 
Oh man, time uh, time flew. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that's it, man. Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> Good times. Uh, what do we uh, What do we got to plug for you, Zach? Uh, when does this drop? Well, it'll, I'll be uh, posting it tomorrow, Friday. Oh, so. cool. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're doing a big uh, toy drive if you're in the Los Angeles uh, area at the All Star Lanes in Eagle Rock on uh, December sixteenth. That's a Friday. Nice. That's uh, Ogre Mage is playing. Um, also, uh, the Bundies and uh, Tooks. Okay. The kids from Power Violence. Okay, nice. Their band. And then afterwards, there's karaoke. All right. So, yeah, like- they'll, they'll be taking cash donations, and uh, they're taking toys and clothes and blankets. And, and, well, it sounds know. like a good time for a good cause. Yeah, totally. It's going to be fun. And where can, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? You got a Twitter going? Uh, yeah, there's an Ogre Mage Twitter. Uh, yeah, I don't really use Twitter. Okay. But uh, I'm on Facebook, if sure. you find me on Facebook. Zach Ames. Or, uh, or Ogre Mage. I mean, you know, Facebook.com slash Ogre Mage Band. Okay. Or, uh, or just ogremageband.com if you want Ogre Mage, check out the EP. Logan, you want to uh, wrap up? Oh, yeah, the EP's on uh, iTunes and Amazon. It's only four bucks. So. And it's just self-titled, right? Yeah, Ogre it's self-titled Mage. Ogre Mage. Okay. Logan, you want to wrap things up with a haiku? Let's do it. X-Men Evolution. Benson got Zach super high. Greek Matrix Theater. All right, nice. And I, I got a couple plugs here. Of course, the big Steel Stack show, December 22nd. The uh, Music, Fest ca- um, Music Fest Cafe at ArtsQuest. You can go to shantigreen.com, hit the calendar for the link there. Tickets are selling out, so make sure make sure you get those. And uh, Comedy Garage, the Christmas Spectacular. The, the theme is... Holiday party sweaters and mustaches, and it's going to be on December 15th, so just go to the Comedy Garage on Facebook. Check that out for all the info. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every Thursday on shantygreen.com. And actually, instead of the normal wax song, I'll, uh, I'll play, uh, play us out on Ogre Mage, Lady of the Land. Green Room, check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dick, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show and check out the Comedy Garage Movie.com. Surrounded by the cook of night.